really when I was thinking about, you know, when I, I was asked to present, I, I gave my topic and I was like, okay, this is kind of what I'm doing right now. I was in the middle of a grant proposal and I was like, uh, I can do association between built environment and physical activity. Guess what the grant was on. Um, so I got thinking about this and one of the things that came out of putting together the application was that we really don't have a good framework for even looking at the associations of the built environment with those activity in rural kids. So this is going to be a little more focused on rural than urban. Um, so just some objectives for the talk. Uh, I'm going to spend quite a bit of time talking about the, um, the terms of discussion just because I want to make sure we're all on the same page when I talk about other stuff. Um, and I'm going to present some evidence for rural urban disparity and obesity and physical activity among youth populations and then present some evidence uh, um, about unique characteristics of rural existence that's related to physical activity and obesity that might be targets for future research. And so um, that's kind of overview of what I'm going to discuss. When we talk about um, the different, um, you know, terms and, and, and our buzzwords here, a lot of time we talk about correlates and determinants. And one thing we need to really do is, is be clear that we differentiate between the two because a correlate is a cross-sectional association. Um, you know, this is what you see the majority of the literature right now is cross-sectional. They go in one time, you know, they, they collect their measures, they may get a snapshot of built environment through GIS methods, through uh, neighborhood audits, through a lot of different methods, and then they'll look at associations. But these a lot of time don't hold up longitudinally. And amazingly enough, um, unless I, well, until I get funded, there have been no uh, studies that have looked at determinants of physical activity in rural youth um, longitudinally, um, and very few that have looked at um, in adolescence, sorry, and very few that have even looked at um, urban. There are only three good longitudinal studies right now that are looking at determinants using objective measures of physical activity in adolescence. And that's crazy if you think about the state of the science in, in a lot of other areas. We really don't know a lot about things prospectively. Um, now, I've, I've escaped using the obligatory picture of the social ecological model, which I think by law you're supposed to have in every presentation where you talk about this. But um, yeah, I am going to talk about the components. So what I'm not going to talk about policy here, but I'm going to talk about intrapersonal factors, and those are the within factors, you know, psychology, um, biology of the particular individual. Um, also interpersonal, um, you know, depending on your discipline, you may call these the social factors, you know, things like, you know, peer support or familial logistic support or things like this. Then there are environmental factors around the physical and social uh, surroundings. And then there's a subset of that which we call the built environment. And so, uh, and this is where it gets problematic because a lot of time we talk about the built environment and then we move it to rural areas and we say we're going to study the built environment, but there's not a lot of built environment in rural settings. And it's been suggested that the only difference between rural and urban settings is the absence of built environment and the presence of natural um, amenities. And one of the things that we don't do a good job um, in public health is really study these natural amenities. Other areas in uh, like parks and recreation have done a better job of looking at uh, natural park usage and green spaces and things like this, which are more prevalent in rural areas to a certain extent, you know, especially things like national parks, but um, they aren't often very captured in any type of examination. So 
you know, we have to be careful when we talk about built environment and its relevance uh, to this population. Here's my obligatory warning. Um, I have no answers in this presentation. Um, so if you came here looking for answers, we don't have any. This, this is an area that there just aren't a ton of studies being done, um, you know, uh, and which I think is a, a bad thing, but they're really, I've got some preliminary findings that I'll, I'll show you, but we really don't have a lot of definitive answers here. A little bit in the way of background, I won't spend too much time on this, but, um, you know, in efforts to increase physical activity, the first step would be to determine what these correlates and individual determinants are. And so we've spent a lot of time, especially around correlates, not so much around determinants, as I mentioned, um, to get an idea of what is relevant to kids' physical activity. Now, one aside to this is that most of what we do is self-report of physical activity. And um, working on a paper, uh, Kelly's taking the lead on that, where we're basically going to upset some people and suggesting that if you're only getting self-report data on kids, um, especially if you're looking at these prospectively, you're probably not doing a very good uh, job of capturing what's actually happening. Um, because, and I'll, and I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about later. Um, but anyway, but using this approach, they've looked, been looked at at the different levels of the social ecological model. But the big thing, and this is what got me working in this area approximately, oh, eight years ago, um, I really kind of shifted gears to rural populations, is, you know, exclusively, is that, um, you know, most of the research in this area has been conducted in large urban areas with more, more than 250,000 people. And so when you, think, uh, you know, when you think urban areas in this sense, it are, it's more metropolitan. It's the Charlottes of the world, not even the Columbias, um, the New Yorks, the San Francisco's, the Chicago's of the world. Um, but it's important if you think about this, and I don't mean to step on anybody's toes here, but it's if you think about the groups that we study, I've reviewed a lot of groups that examine health risk in subsets of you know, Asian populations in San Francisco, or look at you know, exclusively African-American health, or look at exclusively Latino migrant health, which is, they're all important because they're all very, have very unique cultural factors that are relevant to them, and we do need these studies. But 50 million Americans live in rural areas and they have unique cultural and social factors and environmental factors which are important to them nested within those are groups like Latino populations, um, you know, uh, sub, uh, racial subgroups and things like this. And so we need more focus on rural um, areas because they do represent a sizable chunk of the uh, U.S. population, you know, uh, one in five Americans. So that's my, my justification for my pet population. Um, so question of interest. Do rural and urban disparities in obesity and physical activity exist among youth? And secondarily, do the characteristics exist that are unique to rural residents that are associated with this? So two different things because, and this is important, is that if we think about do disparities exist, but what if they're just disparities that have nothing to do with where they live? It is a function of um, you know, different social characteristics, or it could be a function of different build characteristics. So we, you know, uh, if we're going to look at disparity, we have to kind of start to look at um, why. Bigger question is what's rural? And everybody here that's done work with rural populations um, has probably run into this and has probably had it pointed out by reviewer three. 
where reviewer three, as always reviewer three, comes and says, well, you're defining rural thusly, and that's not right. Everybody knows that rural is what? You know, and it will be whatever their pet definition of rural is. So if you think about rural, here I have a map of the 2010 census, total population by county. And this can give you some sort of proxy. Um, as you see here with my magic old school pointer, um, is that, you know, you have Charleston with a large population, Richland, Lexington County, and then it spreads out. And so you, would, you could say that maybe things like Jasper, Hampton, um, you know, Calhoun counties are rural. But what we run into is that, think about Calhoun County, it's not that far from an urban center. Whereas Hampton might be considerably more isolated. And there is something about the isolation of this that is going to come into play, and we'll talk a, a little bit about that. There are a lot of different ways to look at this. Um, urban influence codes have been used, um, rural urban continuum codes, which is something that I tend to employ, and I'll talk more about here in a second. They're USDA codes. Um, there's a lot of different ways, and they all have issues. So there's no perfect definition. Um, I think the biggest question here is, is built environment at all a relevant concept in rural settings? I'm saying this is, you know, your standard stretch of highway that, you know, or rural farm road that you find in a um, rural setting. I'm saying there's not, you don't see sidewalks, there are no crosswalks, there are no pedestrian islands. There are none of the things that people look for when they're, when they're in urban settings. And so the question might be, is it even relevant? Another way to think about this might be, is rural simply a proxy for a lack of built environment? Think about that for a second, because it is a matter of, is, if you're defining something as rural, does that mean that there is no built environment in which they live? And so just something to think about. So, so do rural-urban disparities exist in over, overweight and obesity? This is the easiest thing I got. So this is the closest thing to an answer. So in adults, obesity tends to be highest in rural counties, no matter how you slice rural. Um, the, there is a higher prevalence of overweight and obesity in rural youth. This is um, a little bit equivocal, but I'm saying for the most part, we do see higher rates in, uh, of overweight and obesity in rural uh, kids. The bigger question is though, do, um, disparities exist in physical activity. In short, it depends on what you call rural. So if you call um, Columbia urban and you call 10 miles that away rural, um, you get a very different answer than if you say, um, you know, Jasper County is rural or Hampton County is rural and, you know, Columbia is urban. You get, an even different, you even get a slightly different answer if you say Charleston with its grid-like streets and stuff like that um, are, are, um, is urban. Um, in adults, uh, physical activity is highest in urban settings and physical, activity, physical inactivity highest in rural settings in the southeast. This is, doesn't hold as well when you look at some of the frontier uh, states. So if, you know, if you're out in Wyoming and stuff like that, there's something about being rural there which is associated with more activity. And so something about building a bunker and waiting for Obama to come make you get health care um, makes you more active. Good, okay. Somebody recognized that as a joke. Thank you. Um, 
But uh, I was just waiting for someone to yell out, I am from Wyoming. We don't all have a bunker. Um, but uh, anyway, so in youth, um, a lot of people would say it's essentially equal. Um, with uh, some studies saying that, uh, even one conducted here, that said it may be um, a little bit higher in rural, but that is if you use a very crude dichotomy. Um, uh, Zhang Lu here pro, uh, pro, uh, wrote a paper and showed that um, having a simple dichotomy of urban-rural, taking most urban and then everyone else, and showed that um, they were basically the same, maybe a little bit higher in rural. But what I'll share with you um, this is, is that um, it's, a, it's complicated. So it's complicated. It's not just a Facebook status. It is, it is also relevant to the relationship between physical activity and reality. Um, one thing I would, and this is where it gets speculative, and th these are my own opinions here, is that the relationship between rural and physical activity isn't linear. So people want to say the more rural you get, either the more active you get, or the more rural you get, the less active you get. And that's just not what we see in, kid, in kids. So youth in the most rural areas tend to be the most active, especially at young age. Something happens in middle school to high school, we think in high school, because we have no good data whatsoever anywhere on the planet to examine this. Um, once again, my grant's funded, we will. Um, call your friends at NIH. But the, um, the point I'm making here is that we just don't really know uh, what's happening because these disparities tend to disappear with age. So if you have high activity at one point, I don't know why I'm making hand signals, I gotta, I gotta figure next. Um, but if you have high activity in the most rural and low activity in um, urban areas, uh, those disparities tend to decrease over time. And youth in the rural urban fringe are most at risk for insufficient activity. So I'm gonna give you some very preliminary data um, that is, we're writing up now. But a very simple figure, and the differences here are, are significant, um, controlling for very little. But so if we look at a standardized eight hour day, and these are accelerometer data um, on a little over 1,200 kids in, from North Carolina, what we see is that in sixth grade there is a big discrepancy between rural, and I should have used something besides blue and purple. But here is urban, and here are the rural-urban fringe. And what do I mean by that? We did this by looking at uh, rural-urban continuum codes. And so we took, um, if you know the codes, um, I, I, I can't rattle off the definitions, but one is, is New York City. Three gets you to down to like um, Columbia, um, maybe even a Sumner. And then six through eight are things like um, rural adjacent. So um, counties that are, um, you know, maybe border Richland, where you have people that commute in, uh, commute in to, to places like this. I think that is important. Um, and then uh, when you get to urban, that would, like I said, that's, that's the one to three. Uh, the, uh, the way I defined this was four to eight being that fringe. Um, and then the most rural being uh, the, the last category, which is nine, which is in the, you are in the middle of nowhere. And important uh, to give you uh, some perspective on that last category, though, officially there is no nine counties in South Carolina. The counties are all close enough to, um, you know, close enough to a, a metro center that none of them are considered the most rural. Closest you can get are eights, and those are like the Jasper and the Hamptons of the world. 
But what's interesting about this is if you look at this, over time they've already flatlined in, in middle school kids in these rural urban fringe areas and they're starting to decline in the rural. Now, once again, I don't have any data on high school kids and these are not longitudinal. These are cross-sectional data. Um, but what it suggests, if these trends continue, and I do have fourth, fifth, and, uh, fourth and fifth graders, and they continue these trends only they have higher levels. Um, uh, but uh, this made a cleaner picture, so that's why you're getting it. Um, but what I believe is going to happen is that everyone is going to start clustering again, but we don't know why, because no one really knows what they're doing differently. So, you know, one of the things you can think about is maybe some of these, and this is completely speculative, but maybe some of the activities that rural kids do as they age become less socially um, acceptable or relevant. And anecdotally, we, we see this. Um, um, we see out, you know, some research has shown that things like outdoor play um, is a lot more prevalent with, with younger kids and not so much in older kids. So maybe when these kids are young in rural areas, the opportunities for running around the field and chasing bugs and, and you know, doing all the stuff that you do when you're out in the country. I used to have country relatives and would go hang out in the summer and we'd go do all this kind of stuff. Then I'd go back to the city where there's nothing to do like that. Um, but let's think about it. High school kids do not run out in the field. They don't like to sweat. They don't like to get dirty. Um, and so maybe some of these opportunities go away and they're not replaced by the things that urban kids then get into. Things like gyms and, you know, um, you know walking to work or walking to destinations or whatever. Don't know. Uh, don't have the data. But uh, some preliminary evidence out there suggests that that might be the case. Justin, could you go back to that slide just for a second? So you said that your fifth graders your fifth graders are at higher activity levels generally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just, it's fascinating to me that you're actually, to me, that you're even getting similar levels of physical activity in your sixth graders and your eighth graders and the other two. Mm -hmm. I mean, you really... I thought it would be more of a steep decline. Yeah. So what you're saying is you think that the eighth grade, like eighth graders in, say, your urban areas, they're replacing your, their outdoor activity with these sort of uh, organized settings Maybe. I'm saying because some self-report data have shown that, that um, as kids age, they tend to replace their unorganized activity with organized activity. And if you think about what we've seen in rural areas, there just aren't as many you know, activities for, you know, because think about it, like in the, um, a, some data I'll show you in a second, we had um, an urban course served by a couple middle schools compared to uh, a rural county which was served by one middle school for the entire county. And so if you think about it, there may be a ton of activities, but then you get the issue of distance. Whereas the schools, you know, they had um, activities and they were within two, three miles. You know, everyone lived within two or three miles of the school. So, it, you know, it's uh, supportive. One thing I will say is that if you look at longitudinal self-reported and cross-sectional self-reported data, this is where it all goes downhill, is that if you... Think about this as a curve where you're up here in fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, boom, it all um, flattens out as soon as they hit a high school, especially in girls and especially in girls of, from um, different ethnic groups. And so um, the, the high school area, there's a reason why people don't work in high school kids. So if you want to be a pioneer, especially students, you want to, you want to do something big, work in high school kids because no one wants to do it. Um, they are hard to recruit. They are hard to get to change behavior. They are you know, like they're just difficult, probably difficult to raise. I don't know if we got any parents of uh, high school kids. 
Really? I think so. Middle school, sixth graders are fine. Just, and I can, I, I can back this up with my consent rates. It's like my consent rate goes down 20% between sixth and eighth grade um, with the same incentives and same everything else like that, which, you know, which I put in my limitations section. Um, so, so let's reframe this. So, you know, do urban-rural disparities in physical activity exist? Um, maybe the better question is, what point do physical activity levels in youth fall below those of their urban counterparts? Because once again, in adults, we know that the physical activity levels are lower. Um, or, you know, those, that's what the data would support. So maybe we need to think about that um, a little bit more. So the next question is, do characteristics exist um, which are unique to rural residents that are associated with physical activity um, or obesity. I got thinking about this a number of years ago. I wrote a grant that was funded through the CDC uh, we, where we started to look at this in middle school kids and about, um, uh, but, and one of the things that, that prompted me to do it was this paper that came out in 2004 um, where they looked at um, urban, rural, Canadian adolescents. And these are all self-report data, which is going to become important here in a second. Um, and they find some really neat findings, and I don't uh, use the old-fashioned pointer again. Um, but if you, if you look at the, some of these, they are um, important predictors for both groups. So urban over here, rural over here. So perception of physical ability is important in both groups, though more so in the rural. But things like perception of health is more relevant, is relevant only in the urban setting, uh, or urban population. Um, interest in individual small group activities is a significant predictor in the rural, but not the urban. Um, uh, weight concerns are associated in urban, but not rural. So what you see is you see a pattern here of different correlates, and these are once again cross-sectional correlates, um, of physical activity, moderate to vigorous physical activity, which differ. So in this example, we're getting the effect between some of these predictors and uh, MVPA is moderated by the setting. And that was really interesting to me. And so I wrote a grant, and one of the things I did is that I, I, I said that I was going to uh, measure physical activity objectively as well as subjectively. And so, and once again, um, we had um, a grand total of 441 kids, equal numbers in um, a urban, small urban area and an adjacent rural area. And as you already know from what I've said, that's going to become relevant. So think about this like Sumner versus right next to Sumner. Um, you know, so not our, our, our like Greenville and right next to Greenville, not, not Spartanburg. Um, but, this is, um, but this is important for all the reasons I've already talked about. Um, so we had uh, 441 kids. We took the kids that just had at least four uh, days of accelerometer data, which brought us down to about 70%. And uh, here's how they break out, approximately even numbers of um, rural and urban, um, uh, slightly f more female, and a lot more sixth grade, seventh, uh, sixth and seventh and eighth grade uh, students. Uh, but we do have representation from the different groups. Uh, we measured physical activity via accelerometry. Uh, we measured BMI, had self-report of um, enjoyment of physical activity. Um, we had a safety checklist, so there were different things like um, uh, are there, you know, dangerous, you know, are there is dangerous traffic in your area? 
Um, is crime a problem in your area? These kind of things. It was a brief checklist that's been used uh, previously. I won't call it validated, but it has been uh, used previously and shown to be related to physical activity, and from which we can comp uh, computed a summary score. Um, and then we also had a list of walkable destinations. So is there like a pool, a park, um, uh, a uh, track, a church, uh, you know, things like this that you can go be active at. Uh, and that was some to make a walkable destination score. We also geocoded all the kids, which is another reason why we, uh, our number reduced quite a bit. Because um, amazingly enough, middle school kids don't know where they live. It is, um, you know, there's a large percentage of them when you ask them their address, they don't know what it is. Um, but so we took those and we geocoded them to their uh, parcel. And then we um, looked at, then we coded destinations, walkable destinations, things like schools, uh, grocery stores, fast food places. Um, uh, uh, what else is in that? I forget. Things they can walk to. And um, looked at it as a function of proximity. So warning, these, uh, I just pulled these hot off the email um, this morning. So... Um, if you look at the descriptive statistics, um, nothing really jumps out here. Um, they are slightly heavier in a rural setting. Um, they are slightly less fit in the um, urban setting. We did a three-minute step test for fitness. Um, and if you look at minutes of sedentary, not much difference. Um, a little more light in the rural, um, a bit more moderate and a bit more vigorous for an overall net effect of um, approximately um, four minutes uh, uh, more moderate to vigorous physical activity in the urban kids compared to the rural. And this is consistent with the previous findings if you think about what we have. Because we have our rural are really kind of that rural urban fringe. And our urban are more, like I said, these were from the urban core proper, you know, more grid type streets, more walkability, this kind of stuff. Um, so like I said, not surprising findings here. So if you look at this really busy slide here, once again, I apologize for not having better formatting, but we just re-ran these. Um, this paper has been in review a couple times and, and um, been beaten up like a narc at a biker rally. Um, but uh, so we're, we're reanalyzing and, um, uh, and uh, gonna give it another shot. Um, but what we find here, and if you're looking for significant stuff, there's not a lot. In the urban model, nothing is coming out. Um, safety score is approaching, but so if you, if you think a 1 in 10 chance of being wrong, you can say that safety is important. Um, male gender is, uh, is coming out, but nothing else. Same thing down here. Safety isn't even close, but the important thing is that the distance score is related. So greater distance um, is associated with less uh, moderate to vigorous physical activity. None of the perception stuff comes out. So the same thing, hypothetically, would be this, you know, like the access to PA facilities, some score, not even close. But the actual um, composite distance score, the actual, their distance from their house to things that they could walk to, is only relevant in the rural setting. It's a little contrary to what we see, especially with stuff that's self-reported. But if you look at self-reported physical activity with all this stuff, it comes out beautifully. Like, if I were not a, an honest and ethical scientist, I would just write up the self-report data, send it to a really good journal, 
get it published, and then move on with my life. But I don't think it's right. You could say the perception of one's physical activity is associated with all kinds of stuff because um, that's really what they're giving us in their self-report questionnaire. But when you strap the monitor on them, now there is a possibility, though small, that the self-report is picking up things like cycling and swimming that are not picked up with the accelerometer, and I'm not ruling that out. Um, but for the most part, these are kids who wore the monitor for an extensive period of time and provided good, stable data. And um, like I said, the only thing that is relevant is how far it is to get to things. So if they're isolated by themselves um, and we don't have good measures of peer support, um, or the number of friends that are close by. But if you think about this kid who's outstanding in this field, literally, um, if they can't get to things, uh, they're less likely to be active. And once again, preliminary data here, one study. Uh, yes? Do you think this is, could this be captured by the access and ability to walk to, to and from school? Because I've been in these rural settings and they get bused everywhere. They, mm. they, even if they go to after school programs, they have to get bused there. Where in an urban setting, they, they walk they walk to their after-school program? Not in our setting. Uh, not in this setting. In our urban kids, they had the most had the crazy school assignment patterns ever. Okay. There were kids that lived right across the street from the middle school who were then um, bused over to the other school. So, yeah, in, in this, you don't really see that. Um, but yeah, that's definitely a possibility. The other thing too is I don't think there was enough because we did choose kids that were clustered. I'm saying our definition of rural and urban kids is you were either in that urban cluster or you're not. And we show that there, in this that there is um, no association, but that could be because there's no variability either. Because you know, stats 101, if you don't have variability, you can't explain any variability. And so there could just be in the urban, the reason why we're not seeing associations is because everyone has a similar level of access. Um, one thing we do find, we have a paper that's in review where we look at a commercially available thing called walk score. And what we find with walk score is walk score is negatively associated with physical activity in this same sample of middle school kids in the urban setting. But if you overlay crime data on top of that, um, the areas that are most, have the most destinations and most walkability also have the most crime. And so we think that that may be getting washed out by crime because if you look here, and like I said, I, I'm not a big fan of interpreting non-significant findings, but the safety score is starting to show up on the radar here. And I, it's a very crude measure of safety and it's not really focused on crime. I think if we had a 10 question measure of crime, we probably would have picked something up here um, in the urban. but. In the rural, not so much, and that's the same thing that we found in our qualitative work that we published a few years ago from this, where the rural parents had no concerns about safety. It was just that there was nothing to do. Do you have data for their sedentary behaviors? Yeah. Yeah, we're looking at the sedentary um, right now. Actually, Michael Beach just emailed me our results. Um, preliminarily, I can tell you that there's no difference by rural-urban setting. Um, but there's some neat relationships within um, different BMI categories and stuff that we're finding. But, uh, and so and with your SL monitor data, do you know what they were doing? 
not a clue. And we didn't give them like a three-day physical activity recall or anything like that that would give us the actual activities. That was one of the things that we're hoping to fix if we get funded for the next study, which is that we're going to do the accelerometer and give them a three-day physical activity recall, which is where they go block by block and say what they did. So 8 to 8.30, I was engaged in whatever, because that will allow us to kind of triangulate and get an idea of, you know, the accelerometer is a timestamp too. And so, you know, if I can ever recruit a doc student, then um, I can get them to go in there because um, I'm not. Um, but then we can go back and get a good um, idea there. So um, do characteristics exist uh, which are unique to rural residents um, that are associated with physical activity um, and obesity? Yes, I didn't show the obesity data because there's nothing there. There's, there are none of our predictors in those particular models were associated with um, obesity. There were different self-reported correlates that were relevant for rural versus urban kids, um, but in the multivariate model, no, nothing came out. And so um, we didn't look at the individual questions in the multivariate model um, just because if you throw enough stuff in there with this small of a sample, even you're gonna find something. And we just didn't feel um, confident enough. Um, but with the, the 1,200 sam uh, kids sample that we have, um, we have the same questions, and so we are going to go back and look at those um, with a little bit more detail. So, um, kind of sum up and, and talk about the future. Um, we're really, I am really interested in looking at these transition points. You know, one of the things that... You always find yourself shocked when you go in to do a lit search, and you ever find yourself writing that paper, that grant, and you go, okay, you know, um, getting a driver's license is associated with reductions of physical activity in kids. And you go, ref, I'll go find that later. So I went and tried to do that in a, in a grant. No one's looked at it whatsoever. I cannot find it. If you know of it, please send it to me. But no one has looked at things as simple as the transition to high school, um, and the transition to driving as it relates to physical activity. Because I think there may be something there between rural and urban settings, but no one's really looked at it. Um, so what are these pivot points and what kind of resources do we need? Um, uh, well, that's my third point, um, so I'll stop there. Um, we need appropriate metrics, you know. Um, one of the things that I think if, we all have our own paradigm, and I'm an urban dweller. You know, I live about a mile that way. I walk every day. I've got sidewalks and crosswalks and all this good stuff. And I think like an urban, you know, like uh, an urban dweller. And so I think a lot of the research has been done the same way. Most of this research comes from universities that are set in urban settings. So we have this, this urban paradigm. But we don't think about it as, like a rural person. And, and there are, I think there are certain things that we're missing because we don't think about it. We don't think about the fact that some forms of hunting are very active, you know, and kids get involved in that at like four or five years of age. I know this from my friends that live in rural areas. Um, you know, but we're not trying to capture that. You know, when's the last time you saw a physical activity questionnaire that said something like, how often do you hunt? You know, you just don't see these things. Now, an accelerometer would hypothetically pick this stuff up, but the point is that, you know, we are, what we measure and what we collect I think could be richer. Um, that's why, you know, what, you know, what we're proposing, you know, I bring in people like Andy back there who comes in and says, okay, we can measure all kinds of, you know, green space kind of stuff and, and all this, where we look at, you know, things that are 
potentially more relevant. So we need to develop a better, better metrics and, and, and better paradigms to look at this stuff in rural settings. Um, and because ultimately what we want to do is identify barriers and solutions that can be applied to this 20% of the population because, you know, we have good evidence to say is that if that as they age, they're going to reduce activity. We know that all kids reduce activity as they get older. And so we need, I, I personally believe we need culturally and geographically um, appropriate intervention strategies if we're going to uh, make these kind of strides. On that note, um, I'll take any additional questions you may have. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure if this is a question or kind of or sort of your perspective on it, but I mean, you do get a oftentimes a, a big difference between uh, uh, um, just BMI or just o measures of overweight and obesity, where you have it in the greater in your rural population, in the urban, even among children, adolescents. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to me that you're finding higher levels of physical activity in yeah. these rural settings despite this. Can you sort of explain a little bit to me about what your rationale is about yeah. what might be going on there to put them at risk despite the fact that even at that point they are uh, I would say, I'd say a couple things are going on there. Um, one of the big things is, is we've done some other work looking at food and access to food is obviously when you get into rural areas, when's the last time you saw, you know, supermarkets, with a lot of fresh vegetables, stuff like that. I was talking to a rural county the other day and they were saying that they have a real trouble getting fresh fruits and vegetables to the kids. And I asked them, I go, well, don't they, I'm saying, do they grow any crops around there? Are there like, you know, fruit stands by the side of the road or anything like this? And they're like, no, I'm saying we grow you know, cotton and, and a little bit of tobacco and, and some lumber and stuff, and there's nothing that they could be sold locally, so we have to bring everything in. So I think some of it are, um, one of the terms I got from the uh, seminar the other day was fruit, uh, was a food swamp, uh, which I kind of liked. Um, but you, or was it, was it food swamp or food mart? Yeah, food swamp. Yeah. So I, I like that. So, um, but, you know, it's, I may be misusing it now, but it's, it's this, um, but I, I think there is that issue is that it's hard to get quality food, especially for the adjacent. I think there is a lot of when you increase your commute time, and we have a paper that shows this, as you increase the commute time, you increase, you decrease the food quality and because they're spending so much time in the, the car, there's less time to, to make the healthier food. You know, the, the, you know, and the nutrition people, please jump in and stop me if I say something stupid. But I think that, I think that, the quality of food is probably correlated with the length of time it takes to make it. Um, you know, at least in my experience, is that the shorter amount of time I take to prepare my meal, the worse the food is. Um, so, you know, and that, but that's very anecdotally. So I think that's part of it. I think the other thing is that rurality is also highly correlated with um, income, and in that rural areas tend to be lower income, and we know income is also highly correlated with, um, with you know, body, uh, with fatness. So I think that teasing that out is, is a little difficult because at a certain point, there's only so many things statistical models can control for, um, especially once that, that tied together. That's just my, my guess. Well, I definitely feel like that fringe, that fringe group, definitely is capturing that kind of travel piece mm -hmm. and access to parents because they're going in the city to work and coming out so there's a travel time and less access to transportation for the kids and those kinds of things that you're probably capturing. Somewhere. 
I think there's a cultural piece there too, because if you think about kids that are adjacent are probably very much me mentally like city kids. And so they want to do city kid activities. Whereas I think the rural kids are much more of that rural mentality and they probably do more rural typical you know, activities. I, I don't know, it's, once again, it's a, it's a guess, it's something we want to look at, but I think that probably you have the suburban kid, not, you know, the kids are just a, you know, not suburban, but the ones that are right outside of that that probably have enough exposure that they, they probably have preferences that are more like the city kids and without the access that they do. I don't know, that's just a guess, but. Um, the, that's one of the weaknesses of this is that it was very much a convenient sample. Um, you know, we chose the kids purpose, the schools purposefully, but the sample, I would not, I'm saying it is in any metric we can look at, they're representative, but we all know that that, you know, unless you have measured both groups, you really can't get a good feel for that. So we probably have kids that are considerably lower income, especially since our incentive, and this is a, cautionary tale for the students in the room, but I went to the superintendent when I first started the study for the rural county and I had written in to give every kid 50 bucks um, because I figured this would help get us plenty of people to sign up. And he's like, nah, you're not giving these kids 50 bucks. And I go, well, I can send it to the parents. He goes, nah, because the parents will never, the kids will never get it. They'll get spent on methamphetamine, which is a big problem in our community. And so the, the um, agreement that he came with is that we would buy school uniforms for the kids valued at $50. So each kid got a couple school, school uniforms. That is not much of an incentive for a middle school kid. And what we found is that the, um, the rural school was really gung-ho about this and they did a really good job of helping us recruit. The urban schools were a little more lukewarm. They gave us access, but not a lot of help. And so I would argue that what we probably have are low-income kids from both of the communities. And there's a, um, but the, we're still digging through the data to see if we can pick up any um, observable bias in the physical activity levels. One thing we have seen is that we have more kids that have complete data um, in the urban setting than we do the rural setting, which I don't know what that means. We're looking at different ways to impute some of that, but um, that's why this is so preliminary. But yeah, that's not, it's definitely not a perfect sample. Um, there's a question here or not, but in my, uh, in my built environment class, which will be happening this fall for anybody who's interested, um, <laughs> the, uh, we, we, so we spent a little time talking about rural issues, and there's a couple articles that talk about how um, rural settings um, have a lot of the characteristics of walkability, to, at least maybe not rural uh, counties per se, but rural like towns, mm -hmm. centers, have a lot of these walkability characteristics that might you know, encourage physical activity for transportation, especially maybe recreation too, like you know, having a, a nice town center, if any of these still have these, but with, you know, with sidewalks and, and, and Main Street where the, you know, the, the uh, stores and everything really are close to the street and all that all that kind of stuff and maybe having you know a park nearby and in the town center and all that so and one of the things in particular that when i picture small towns but i'm not a rural guy so i can't speak to this too knowledgeably is like a sense of community and all of that you know that maybe promotes safety or that maybe just independently encourages physical activity did you look at any of this kind of stuff in your 
We we did in our qualitative. We did our, I'm saying in terms of the community piece, we did look at that in the, the qualitative work and it actually ironically didn't really show up. Um, almost quite the contrary. It's kind of like Mike Edwards, who's a guy at Texas A&M University and does recreation stuff. He had some really neat findings about rural areas in North Carolina showing that um, racial uh, homogeneity or heterogeneity was important. So you could be poor and all one color and it was fine. But if there were racial differences, and I think this is probably specific to the South, that there was a fighting over the resources because you might have different agendas. And we, one quote that we got from our qualitative work really showed this, where they said, you know, this is in one of those small little 500-person town centers where they got scraped together enough money to do something for the kids. And what happened, and this is according to them, these are not my words, um, the white people put in a skate park. And the quote was, in, in the true or not, was, and our kids don't skate. Um, you know, they wanted something that was more relevant to what they thought their kids would want to participate in. So it was one of these things where they got the resources, but because it was a ethnically diverse community uh, and one group was a little more in power than the other, it didn't really, it wasn't that Mayberry-esque kind of, let's all get together and find something that everyone likes. Um, and so Mike's data kind of showed that where you got better resources if one if there were there was real um, homogeneity in the uh, racial distribution in terms of the town centers yeah you're absolutely right that a lot of these town centers are really good in terms of having resources but they're just so small and they serve such a small portion of the population like um, in green county which was one of our rural counties uh, which was the rural county um, they had 13,000 people in the county and approximately 1,500 lived in, you know, a municipal, you know, uh, 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 what would you call a township of any kind? I was asking about the, um, the their sedentary behavior and um, if you knew what they were doing in part because I was thinking about, I think Melissa Nelson wrote this paper in Gordon Larson where they mm -hmm. hiked Right. Tremendous amount of time during, um, you know, highly vigorous physical activity on the yeah. skateboards, and um, so that I don't know that gave me a little bit different perspective. Yeah. And uh, then I was thinking about what you said with food too, um, because the more time you're spending with your electronic device, especially teens are being bombarded with messages about mm -hmm. foods they should be chewing and how that relates to their identity as a certain kind of teen. No. Yeah, we're trying to chop up some of the, the, the data on the 1,200 kids come from our WJ funded project we have in 20 counties in North Carolina and that one. We don't have BMI and we, don't, we weren't able to measure anything like that, but we do have the accelerometer data on them. And we are looking at like the kids that are more active. We're going to go back and reanalyze it and look at the after school, before school, in school time and look at sedentary levels and stuff like that. We still won't be able to get it type. We're going to see because there's also those papers that show the high sedentary, high active kids. 
you know, just in general, where, you know, they're, they're very independent constructs. Um, but yeah, I'm saying that the piece about the media, um, you know, bombardment with messages, you know, I, I still, I'm the PlayStation generation, so I still play PlayStation. And I just bought this basketball game, and I'm starting to get a little peeved at how much advertising there is on it. Like, it's got the Sprite slam dunk cam, you know, the, uh, like, the Gatorade, you know, six-man camera and all this stuff, and it's, I'm like, when did all this happen? You know, it's like I feel like I'm, well, I feel like I need a Sprite is what I feel like. But, um, you know, if I'm going to be a baller. But, uh, but no, it is. It's like it's just so much that's right there. But, yeah, no, we should talk. So we can do some work. But I think that's my time. But I'm happy to talk about any of this um, outside of this talk. Um, if anybody's got any ideas or ideas for grants, so let, me, let me know. Let's go get some money. <laughs>